Hi to all our listeners. This is Jordan from the podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Emphatic Fanatics. The reason I'm recording this is because we had to change our previous name due to similarities with other podcasts. So the intro of the first two episodes isn't going to be the normal intro we will have going forward. This episode will go straight into the topic. However, we hope you enjoy the podcast nonetheless, and we look forward to bringing you even better content in the future. Today, joining me, I've got Jordan. Hello there, Phil. Hi, Jordan. Great to have you with us. And I've got Luca too. All right, boss. All right, mate. Good to have you with us as well. So we've got a really, really interesting topic to talk about on our second episode. Thanks again to everyone who's listened to our first episode. We really appreciate it. We know you're going to enjoy this one. Now, if coronavirus didn't happen, this time next week, the European Championships would be taking part. What a moment that is and what a moment it was going to be because obviously it was going to be the 65, 65th anniversary, I think, of the, the Euros being in store and it was going to be played all around Europe. It's the first time a country such as Azerbaijan will ever see football on the large scale be played in their country. What a sad moment, what a sad moment. But it's been pushed back, but not to worry. What we're going to do, as if Euro 2020 was just around the corner, we're each going to talk about two teams, so six in total, that we feel we're going to be dark horses for the tournament. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to talk about um, Russia and after my, um, I've, I've said my thoughts, I'm going to open it up to the lads and see what, what their thoughts are uh, on, on Russia. So is that all right, lads? Sound that, seems, that seems great for you. Sound, yeah. Let's go. Brilliant, guys. So let's get cracking. So obviously, who better to start with than the country who hosted the last major football tournament, Russia? Now, it's a very interesting moment for Russia because after a fantastic World Cup of 2018 where the home nation performed really admirably and really kind of proved a lot of people wrong. Um, it's a big moment for them to see really if 2018 was a fluke or if it, if it wasn't. Now, obviously, Russia in, in the World Cup, they, they lost to Croatia on penalties, but they knocked out Spain beforehand and they had a pretty good performance in the group stage um, before that as well. But what should we know about Russia? You know, well... About Russia. Now, believe it or not, Russia used to be pretty poor at the, the old football in the European Championships. Now, we're not talking about the Soviet Union here. I know, obviously, someone could go, oh, well, they won the first yeah. championship in 1960. You know, forget that. Forget that for a minute. Russia's performances in the last four of five European Championships have been absolutely abysmal. They've finished bottom of the group on virtually all those occasions. And obviously, they were remembered for all the wrong reasons in 2016 with the, the attack on the fans when they attacked all the England fans um, in, in, obviously, France. That was a sour moment for Russia. I mean, they were horrendous on the, on the field, but they were even worse off it. Um, and I think that was quite a sad moment for Russian football in general because I know it was the minority. And obviously, they, there was a bit of fear going into the 2018 World Cup and... The team was was kind of talked about as if they were going to flop, but they they kind of really restored 
faith, really, um, in both the, the public's image and also the, the Russians' image. Um, they had a football team to be proud of. And that's why I think this is going to be a really important tournament for Russia and uh, to see how far they've come. But I want to take you back to Euro 2008. Now, obviously, Russia had finished bottom of the group in 1996, 2004, 2012 and 2016. So to say that Russia did something quite amazing in 2008 is... It's a bit strange to think of. Now, I don't know if you remember this, lads, but this was the mm. first tournament I fully remember, Euro 2008 in Austria and Switzerland. Right. I don't know if you remember. Yeah? Yeah, yeah well, I, I remember the 20, I think 2006 World Cup was my, my first uh, way into Europe, like European football, really, um, in terms of, or not European, world, world, world football, obviously, um, with the World Cup. Um, yeah, so that, that was my first time, but... Again, after that, I, I fell in love with football. So, yeah, I definitely was watching that um, 2008 Euros. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good tournament, the, the 06 one. But 08 was, was the one that I kind of remember the, the whole of it. Um, now, Russia, I, I had a look at the team just to refresh my memory. And it was quite a talented team. I mean, they had Roman Pavlichenko and Andrei Arshavin. Um, obviously, players that, that we know quite well. Um, they got thumped in their first game 4-1 by Spain. And you thought, right, well, Russia, ugh, same old, same old. But they went on this fantastic run. They beat Greece and Sweden in the group stage. Um, they knocked out Holland. They beat them uh, after extra time 3-1 in the last 16. And they faced old foe Spain in the semis. Now, they, they performed pretty well in the first half, but they got blown away, obviously, by the, the eventual winners. But it just kind of showed to me and everyone that Russia are kind of a bit of a sleeping giant um, and that if they got it right, they, they could go quite far in, in future tournaments as well. Yeah, I, I would say, Theo, I think with two, 2018 uh, World Cup, it kind of reminded me a bit of Belgium. Like, it's not the same quality of player. Um, but with Russia, they had these talented young lads coming into the, the national team. And what I personally felt is that they needed a bit of leadership. Um, mm. They didn't really have that at the 2018 World Cup. Or, uh, yeah, 2018 World Cup, sorry. Um, so I think what they need is someone that's going to lead, lead, lead them both in certain areas. They did have Shmolov, I think, was the, was the striker they took, mm. um, who, is, who is experienced. But again, they didn't really have anyone at the back, uh, personally, that really st- stood out. Akinfeev obviously stands out. Uh, but apart from him, no one really on uh, on the outfield in terms of outfield, yeah. um, to really lead that uh, that kind of possession, if you know, or like like to give them a bit of possession, a bit of security, um, and a bit of like steal about them, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, we had, had the flair with Golovin and Shalov and l- l- these little gems, but but I wouldn't say they had that leadership really. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Obviously, 2018 was the first tournament when they kind of had the backbone of the team taken away because in previous years, they obviously had the Berezutskis and mm-hmm, sorry, yeah. the Nashvich brothers as well. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a different, it was a different era um, who were obviously legends for, for Russia and obviously Akin Fave. Uh, he's a questionable goalkeeper, but he, he's, he's very experienced. Yeah, definitely. He's very experienced. But, I wouldn't have said... Um, in terms of, I thought I think he's quite a good goalkeeper because he was linked with the likes of Man United when he was younger. Mm. Um, we, we, we kind of forget about that. Is that if he went to, and he's a one called Man as well, um, CSK. 
Um, so I think in some ways it does, having that loyalty does sometimes hinder you. But but the Russian fans love him and the CSK fans love him. So if he's happy then with his career, then that's the main thing um, going, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a solid goalkeeper. Prone to the odd clanger. But aren't they all? Even the best are prone to the odd clanger. But I'm going to touch on the Russian team and, and the, the kind of the players I feel like, you know, really to watch for the, for the, the Euros. But first, we just got an honorary mention for... Obviously, I've got to mention Lev Yashin's name. But Lash, Yashin was obviously part of the, the Soviet Union squad, the Black Spider, fantastic goalkeeper. But I'm going to stick to Russia. I want to stick to Russia. And obviously, an honourable mention has to be for Andrei Arshavin. How can we not talk about Andrei Arshavin? Now, he was a fantastic player. Many people remember him for his, his four goals against uh, Liverpool at Anfield. And, and I think three of them were absolute bangers. Yeah, that. they really were. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember watching that with my dad. And, yeah. Um, he scored four. And I remember when he did the four. And I was like, four? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was it, was the the, it was the four fingers that was there. Oh, I can't believe you've like he's can't believe he's done it really. Um, yeah, against Liverpool but, as well. It's not against this small team in the Premier League. It's Liverpool. As no, well. that was Rafa Benitez as Liverpool as well. Who yeah, were, you know, yeah. Torres. Now and here's Jeff. a stat you might find um, uh, surprising. He, he played 75 times for Russia. Obviously, captain Russia. But he only scored 17 goals. It wasn't as much as I thought for Arshavin. You know, he, especially seeing as he played quite a big role in the Russian team. Um, but yeah, he had some memorable performances for Russia, especially in the, um, the that famous game in Euro 2008 when they knocked out Holland. He um, he obviously got man of the match and scored two goals. Um, and he was obviously capable of moments of sheer brilliance. Um, he was a true stalwart for the Russian team. Um, and I think he kind of put Russia on the map, in my opinion, especially in the Premier League. You know, at a time when there weren't many Russian players since obviously Andrei Kanchelskis. Mm-hmm. Um he really kind of put Russia back in the map and he, he kind of made it to Russian because a lot of Russian players tend to stay in the Russian leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of obviously highlighted that it was a bit fashionable to kind of move away. Um, which was, I think, which was I think he, he came to the Premier League too late because I, I, I was surprised at his age when he came to the Premier League. He came yeah. 29. So it's, it's not like he was a young... I thought he was like 26, 7, 20. About, about prime age, uh, what you'd say for football. But he was just past his prime. So I felt if he had come uh, sooner, I think he really would have kicked on um, mm. and probably gone somewhere else after that. Do, do you remember Arshavin much, Luca? Because um, I, I don't know if you were... What age were you then? Were you were you quite young? Probably, you probably quite yeah, young. I would have been like five or six. I, yeah. I, rem- I always remember, I remember Theo and, and Dad going on about how, how he was a good player. I do yeah. remember him. Yeah, yeah, but you don't really remember them that well. But yeah. it's uh, Arshavin, again, I wasn't too sure. Um, he was I think... a desperately, desperately lazy player. I remember reading an article, um, read an article. It was a couple of weeks back actually, and it, it said Arshavin could do more with one touch on the ball than most players could do after ten minutes running up and down, dribbling with the ball. Yeah, that's um, the point. That just kind of highlights Andre Arshavin well, really I capable think... of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm going to go into a, a legend player later on. Um, I, I'm not going to mention his name because I want I want to keep it for later. But in terms of stats for his national side for for Russia, he got he played 75 times for Russia's uh, first team, and he got 17 goals. Um, so the player I'm going to talk on about later, I'll, I'll mention later. But what his stats were, um, but yeah, yeah, quite 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 staggering actually when you consider it. 
Um, yeah, so. awesome. Well, obviously, got to mention our Shaman, but I just want to get now into the, the players to watch. Now, first honourable mention has to be for a player who kind of cap- captured my my mind massively when the Euro 2012 was on. It's Alan Jagoyev. Now, believe it or not, Alan Jagoyev, he's been on the scene for a long time. He's only 29. He's only 29 years of age. He, he, he feels like he's been on the scene for 15, 16 years, and that's because he has. He's been, he's been on the scene. I think he burst onto the scene for CSK when he was, he was 16. He was talked about for a long time when he was um, younger as well um, in the academy. Now, Jagoyev, it's definitely a case of what could have been. Um, Jagoyev, if it wasn't for the, the injuries, he, he could be at one of the top clubs in, in Europe. There's there's no de- denying. I was mesmerised the first time I saw him play at Euro 2012. It was the first game against Czech Republic. Um, he scored two goals. One was a silky run for, uh, followed by a, a lovely finish. And then he scored a thunderbolt past Petr Cech. I remember watching this kid and thinking, man, he's, he's really good. Um, he was a masterful technician, um, and I, I can, I probably compare him with Meza Özil or Ivan Rakitic, uh, Jagoyev. Uh, I think um, that's quite generous, Steve. I've got to say, I think, I think, I think he's a good player, but I, I don't think he's on the levels of them. No, no, I mean I like think, his I playing think, style. Oh, style. style, right? Yeah, def- yeah, definitely a style. Yeah, probably a style. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, I think Russia, uh, he's a pillar of the Russian team. And obviously, I'm going to talk about another player in a minute, which, well, obviously, Alexander Golovin, who, because of his skillfulness, Jagoyev can drop back and play deeper now. Um, and I, I read a, a quote, uh, I got a quote for you off, um, the, I think it was the FIFA website, actually, um, in 2018, before the Russia World Cup. They did, a, obviously, a bit of a preview in Russia, and they put quick good in the air and with exceptional technical skills. Dugoyev is a player who has the capacity to harm top-level components, uh, opponents. Sorry, and, and I thought, how, how true is that? You know, Dugoyev, yeah. without the injuries, he's, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic player. Um, sadly, he's, very, sad, very sadly he's just passed his, passed his prime, sadly. He um, has passed his and, prime. And, and well, uh, it would have been nice to see him in today's kind of football, um, I it think would. He re- it, it would be it would be awesome to have seen him like in the Bundesliga or maybe Serie A or something like that, just to, just to see what he could do. Um, but again, again, a, a, a good player uh, back in the day uh, for Russia. Yeah, brilliant. Now I'm going to touch on just I've got two more players. I've been a bit bit cheeky. I've bit, gone for three. Three, three, three. I know we said two, but I've got a fit. I've got a fit. Free and I, I am a fan of the Russian side. Now I've touched on Jagoyev, obviously, and there are a lot of players in the current Russia team who you, you look out for. I mean, you know, Mario Fernandez is a solid fullback. I'm a big fan of Artem Zuber as well. Um, but for me, it's quite obvious the two players who are the ones to watch in the tournament. Number one, Fedor Shalov. Now I'm just going to refer to him as Shalov. Um, Chalov, sorry, because I can't really pronounce that first name. But there's no denying. I, I think it's I think it's Fedor, I think it's Fedor Chalov. Fedor, Fedor. Fedor. I can't Chalov. pronounce the first name. There's one thing I can say, and that's he is hot property. He's hot property. I mean, forgetting this season because obviously it's it's been cut in, in two. Um, last season, Chalov scored 15 goals in 30 games in the Russian league, um, which isn't bad for a 20 year old in, in whatever league they're in. 
Um, he's a clinical fin finisher and he's capable of the spectacular. Um, he's got exceptional technique, an eye for a pass. And he, he really looks like the complete package. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise really that every transfer window he's linked with clubs. I think um, Chelsea and Everton were interested. I think Palace actually had a cheeky bid for him in January. Um, yeah, but I just think Russia are a really hard-working team with obviously a lot of gifted technical players. Um, and I think with the selfless Zuber up front, Shalov, he'll have plenty of opportunities. And with his pace and finishing, I think he'll really hurt sides. And I think off the back of a, another full season for CSKA and also a, a, a good Euros, you could see bigger clubs looking at Fedor Shalov yeah. definitely. I would like to see. I, th I don't know who I'd like to see him at. I think I think a Premier League side would suit him. Um, he's quite nimble. He's quite quick. Um, he's got five. Well, five goals and five assists this season. And fair enough. That as you said, the season's been cut, uh, Theo. But still, that's quite good stats for a 22-year-old. Kind of kind of coming into his game now, um, and not hit his prime. So it'll be interesting to see who who he goes to. Um, but definitely, I, I think a Premier League side would would be uh, the way to go. Yeah, Luca, Premier League side, who, who do you think maybe, uh, who, who would you say he'd suit? Uh, maybe, um, I think Everton have been looking for a sort of striker. Yeah. yeah. He the, could the, have come in and do something, you never know. Yeah, the only reason I don't, I, I, I'm kind of mm. against Everton is the, the fall of Moyes Keane. Um, I feel that's mm. something that he needs to look at and like, he's got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Moise Keane and Richarlison um, at the moment. Yeah. And I think I think if Everton are going to go for someone, they're going to go for someone bigger um, because they're moving to their new stadium. Um, so I think they, they're going to go for a more prestigious talent or prodigious is the word, prodigious. Sorry, prodigious talent. Um, for Yeah, so I think they'll go for someone else personally. Hmm. Well, we, I would guess we, we shall see, but he definitely, you know, he's definitely hot property and it's, definitely someone to consider and that moves me on finally to my final player and obviously the crown jewel of the the Russian national side and that is obviously Alexander Golovin I mean Golovin he burst on the scene in the first game of the the World Cup 2018 when he, he obviously Russia beat Saudi Arabia 5-0 and it was a very very convincing win against a very poor side but uh, Golovin was magnificent he, he ran the show um, he scored an absolute blind he scored two I think but he scored a blinding um Second goal, it was it was fantastic. Him and she Dennis Sherashev, um, they they partnered up uh, perfectly. Um, obviously, going throughout the tournament, he played a pivotal role in uh, assisting uh, Zuba. Now, you know Zuba is uh, what you see is what you get with Zuba. But yeah, quite quite, needs, quite a hard man, quite a hard man, wasn't he? He's he is hard. He's a, he's a white salmon Rondon. <laughs> that's an yeah. interesting way to describe him yeah it is it is but Golovin's, Golovin's a, like all the technical Russian players he's an extremely skillful player um, he's cap capable of cutting inside onto his absolute wand of a right foot and, and curling one into the top corner um, in my opinion he's a defender's worst nightmare an absolute defender's worst worst nightmare and I'm a big fan of Golovin I have been for a while now um, and I think after Growing into the Monaco side, I think it took him a while to get into it um, and trying to gain the performances that got him to move there. He, he's, he's, especially this season, cemented his place in the team and alongside Cesc Fabregas and I think Bakayoko, he's, he's, done, he's done really well. Um, he's definitely one to watch. He's very much the supply line for Russia. Um, and obviously, as I was saying before, Jagov will 
can now sit deeper and Golovin um, can push forward. And obviously Golovin, you know, roam forward and, and cause havoc. And lads, I'll tell you what, there's, there's one partnership that gets me so excited and that's Golovin sitting behind Shalov. Wow. Yeah, that, that that's, uh, that's going to be quite exciting, to be honest, because Golovin, the thing was with Golovin, when he came onto the scene in the 2018 World Cup, um, I think everyone was a bit surprised um, how well, well, obviously Russia did amazing, uh, considering how they had done in previous tournaments, as you mentioned, mentioned Theo. Um, but I think Golovin, with coming onto the scene, a centre-attacking midfielder, a lot of clubs were interested, and I just think he moved just a bit too quick. Um, yeah. I don't think Monaco was the right club. Mm. He's there now, so he's got to make the best of it. Um, I'm looking up his stats now. Three goals, four assists. Not too bad um, for a season that's cut short in the French League. Yeah, It could be upwards of five, six. Um, I think he created a lot of chances, though. I think just Monaco would just... Um, ben Yedder, I mean, Ben Yedder scores pens. Uh, Slomani, yeah. not really a striker. I, really I quite like Ben Yedder, because Ben Yedder was quite good at... Um, uh, to lose, I remember, and then he went to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember well. to so I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, he wouldn't get on the end of end of crosses. I think they've had a lot of problems mo- though, Monaco, and I don't think it's the right place for Golovin to develop. No, um, so he probably needs to put in a transfer request, um, and I would say somewhere in Syria is probably the best place to go for him. Maybe. Um, so because you see, like the players like Zelinski, I can. It kind of reminds me of Zelinski a wee bit. Um, at Napoli, uh, the Polish lad, centre midfielder. So it kind of reminds me of him. Um, so yeah, probably worth a move uh, to the Serie A, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fair shout, man. That's a fair shout. We'll get on to the final question: where I see them finishing. So obviously, Russia they they've been drawn alongside top seeds Belgium, top seeds sorry Belgium. They've got Denmark as well and neighbours Finland. Now I think this is a very favourable draw for Russia. I really do. And I can quite see them easily finishing in the top two. Now, obviously, I think some of the best place third place teams qualify as well. But I'm, def- I'm going to put my neck out and say they're going to finish uh, top two. Now, depending on where they finish, they'll either play maybe Italy or Switzerland, just having a, a brief look in the group. They could progress, but I think realistically for Russia, you're looking at maybe a, a last 16. Um, last 16. Um, is where they'll kind of end up. Um, the quarters they could get to the quarters, but I'm going to say last 16. Anyway, lads, that's uh, that's that's Russia for you. I'll uh, I'll turn it over to you if you've got any comments or if you want to crack on to uh, the next. Country. Um, I think we've done quite well there in covering them, um, Theo. To be honest, so I don't know, Luca. Do you have anything to add, really? Oh yeah, yeah, sound yeah, good. yeah, yeah, good stuff. Right, well, well, I think we'll move on. Um, so I think we'll. Move on. Uh, was it myself that was going next, Theo? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, cool. George. Okay. So the team, uh, the first team I've gone for um, is in Group C, and that is Ukraine. Um, so a wee bit about Ukraine. Uh, so they broke away uh, from the Soviet Union, um, as as Theo mentioned. Russia were part of that as well. Um, so they broke away in 1992, um, and yeah, they became a national side. So their first match was against Hungary in the April of 92. Um, and yeah, the, you've got to think um, of the players that the Soviet Union had before, like Yashin. But um, I think the main man of Ukraine, um, it, probably from the 2000s onwards, and the main man was Andrei Shevchenko. Um, got to admit, fantastic player. AC Milan, he was amazing. Um, yeah. And sadly, it kind of tailed off towards the end. It was a shame when he went to Chelsea. Um, it looked like a good move. 
Um, but yeah, it, it sadly didn't work out. Um, so yeah, so their biggest success was the quarterfinals in 2006. Uh, the coach was Oleg Bolkin, I think I've pronounced that. Um, so yeah, he was leading. Um, yeah, leading them in the 2006 Euros, um, and and the man himself, Shashenko, was leading the line, um, and he only scored two goals. Uh, for them, but they still made the quarterfinals, so they must have had a good team around them uh, to provide them uh, with chances. I don't know how many assists they got, but in total, Shevchenko got a total of 48 goals in 111 games. So nothing to put your nose up at. Like you've got to say that you've uh, he's, that, that that's a good scoring record um, in in international games. Um, and now he's actually coach of the national mm. side. Um, so he became coach in 2016 um, after a poor uh, time of it in the 2016 Euros um, where they exited at the group stage um, and they, they didn't do very well. So, so they gave uh, Shevchenko a two-year contract and he qualified for um, this year's uh, Euros. So I've got to say that um, it's... It's good for him because it was a two-year contract with a two-year extension, um, and I think if he does, even if he doesn't do great in this uh, Euros, I do think uh, he will be given another extension um, unless he decides to move on. Mm. Um, but yeah, so in terms of Ukraine's history, um, they also finished. Uh, so in in qualifying. Uh, qualified four years later in 2016 um, for the Euros um, where they finished third in the group um, so that wasn't that, that was where um, they, they didn't succeed in Shevchenko uh, took over. Um, they've had their most success in uh, youth football um, their under 20 team is reigning world champions um, their under 21 team gains a silver medal in the 2006 European under 21 championship as well um, but as I said, their biggest success was in the 2006. Uh, they got to the quarterfinals in the 2006 Euros. Um, so they got they had a group of Spain, Tunisia, and Saudi Arabia. They got thumped by Spain 4-0 in that group. Um, so to come out of it uh, and then get to the quarterfinals is pretty magnificent. They beat Tunisia mm. and Saudi Arabia is where Shevchenko scored his two goals um, in both of them games. So scored in both of them games. Then in the round of uh, 16, they beat Switzerland on penalties. However, were later beaten uh, by eventual champions, uh, Italy, uh, 3-0. Um, so it wasn't fantastic. It, it was fantastic in terms of getting there, um, but, de but deserved to get beat uh, by the eventual winners themselves. So in terms of like... Uh, other players, there's probably other players out there I could talk to, talk talk about, um, but I don't want to get into too much uh, detail about that. I want to go into this current team uh, because there's a couple of players I want to mention, um, and there is common players that uh, everyone everyone will know, especially Premier League fans, like uh, Alexander Sinchenko and mm. uh, Yarmolenko as well. Um, so. I really do think they, they're going to be pivotal to the team, uh, but not the players I actually want to talk about because they're, they're either... Uh, well, Zinchenko is still in, his, still in his early years of football. Um, but again, he's at Man City. He's already been talked about quite a lot. 
um, by the City fans especially, uh, hyping him up. Um, and I do think he will be a good player at the tournament. Um, they've also got the their goalkeeper, uh, Payatov. Um, and I think it's Andre or Andre, I think, I don't know how you say his first name, um, but Payatov. Um, he's a 36 years old, so a very old keeper. Um, but he was also there at the 2006 quarterfinals, actually. He was in the team that Shevchenko um, was in. So I think that's why Shevchenko's made him captain, uh, for a bit of leadership um, in that team. You look like you're going to say something. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, um, talking to goalkeepers, that they've got, haven't they got that lad um, who's on loan at Real Madrid? Lunin. Yeah, they've got Andre Lunin. Yeah, well. yeah, I was, I yeah. was thinking about talking. I was going to think about talking about Lunin, and they they might play Lunin, but again, their captain is Payatov, so I, I think they'll stick yeah. with, stick with with Payatov. But I do think they've got likes of Lunin. They've got a, I think um, another goalkeeper. To get, I forget who it is. Oh no, that's that's another team I'm thinking of. That's it. That's my other team I'm thinking of actually. Um, no, but the, it's Lunin. Yeah, the young keeper Lunin uh, on loan. I think it's in the Segunda division, um, I think. But I'm yeah, he's playing for Real Oviedo, yeah. Is it Oviedo? Right. And I, I thought yeah. it was I thought it was a Segunda team. Um, but yeah, so he, he will go probably as backup to Payatov. Um but yeah, there's some of the, the more experienced players um in in the Ukraine team. The players I really want to go on to talk about though, um, and one is a young winger from Dynamo Kiev, and his name is Viktor Siganov. And it's spelled T-S-Y-G-A-N-K-O-V. Um, so that's fine. Yeah. So that's always, that's, yeah. So it's a hard spelling, um, but definitely um, definitely a player that will will shine, I think, at this tournament. Um, he's a right wing. He likes to cut inside and get a shot off. Uh, he's got really good dribble numbers and likes to pass opponents. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Definitely a player that will uh, be feared by fullbacks, in my opinion, because um, he will. He, he does both. Get he gets down the line. He likes to cut inside, but he also likes to cross the ball. Um, he likes to get a ball in the box. I've I've watched a couple of videos of him. Uh, fair enough, you can't really judge much off a YouTube video, but I was watching a couple of videos of him, and he likes to put the ball in uh, to the striker uh, to finish. Yeah, what are you talking about? Of course, you can. Tony Pulis brought Brown and die off a YouTube video. <laughs> I mean that that is true as well. So you, you, you I think um, well, the less said about Pulis, I think the better because <laughs> he's not the most um, out there manager personally. But about this kid again, going back to Siganov, um, he's also got a wicked free kick. Uh, takes a lot of free kicks for Dynamo Kiev and likes to challenge the keeper. Um, and he also likes to take penalties and is very clinical with them. Um, so yeah, he's 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 a good set piece taker. Um, so I looked into it and I thought uh, his stats per game. So I was looking at the last three years and he's got consistent stats, and that's always a good sign for a for a young kid uh, in a league that's not very has has not got much uh, pressure on him. Uh, but again, uh, providing stats that are really good. So in seventeen eighteen, his first main season, he had a season before that, but in his first main se- season in 27-18, he got nine goals and six assists in 18 games. In 18-19, he got 11 goals, six assists. And also in the Europa League, he got in nine games, two goals and four assists. Um, and then later on in this year's, this year's competition in 
1920. He got eight goals and five assists. But I don't know in terms of I think I think the Ukrainian league um, probably did get cancelled. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know some in the Baltic areas were kept going. Uh, were were still continuing. Um, but yeah, so this this kid, um, I think he's a real talent, um, and I do think he might get a move after the Euros. Um, he's his market value is 14 million. Um, and I think it will go up. I think it will go up in a couple of years um, to probably around about 18 to 20 um, if he has a good Euros as well. And yeah, I, I think he's he's probably worth a go. The, the only thing I don't want him to do is do what uh, what we mentioned about Alexander Golovin. Um, if he chooses the wrong team, it could really um, not ruin his career, um, but kind of not push it on as it needs to go. Um, so yeah, so maybe again a Premier League club, um, or a, I would personally say a Bundesliga club though. I think I think if you look at I think the likes of RB Leipzig uh, probably might go for them. Um, they like going for young young kids. For example, Danny Olmo. They took Danny Olmo um, from Danny Zagreb. Um, so yeah, so why don't go and get the young kid out of Dynamo Kiev? I don't know what you boys. I don't know if you've heard a second of uh, that much, but um, have you just got anything to add to that? Yeah, speaking of, um, I've watched a bit of him. Um, he looks a decent player. He does look a good player. Um, my problem with, obviously, kids who've come out of Dinamo Kiev, you, you look at the past with, um, I think, Con- uh, I know Yarmolenko came from Dinamo Kiev. I know um, yeah. Konoplyanka as well. Yeah. Konoplyanka and, and, and both Yarmolenko as well, when they were playing at Kiev, they were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Europa League, they were banging the goals, left, yeah. right and centre. They, they were amazing. Mm-hmm. But they seem to just make the wrong career decision. And I don't want Siginov, as you quite rightly said, to do the same thing. And I think he's got to be... The problem with um, Yarmolenko was Yarmolenko spent too long in Ukraine. And the problem with Konoplyanka is he didn't spend enough time in Ukraine. So I think he's, as long as he finds the balance... Because um, the Ukrainian league's not a bad league, uh, I think there's some good teams in there. You know, obviously you're playing against Shakhtar Donetsk. Mm-hmm. You know, Dnipro are a, are a good team. Um, and that's kind of me out of Ukrainian teams. But um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think as long as he makes the right career decision, um, Siganov sounds like a, he can make a, a decent impact somewhere else as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As you were saying, I, I, I was just thinking there. I, I was thinking back, obviously. Uh, we mentioned our favourite teams last week about, uh, and that mine was Sunderland. And obviously, I was I was looking at a player uh, that came out from Dynamo, Dynamo Kiev in 2015 was Jeremy Lenz after a good World Cup, actually. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it doesn't always work out um, out of out of that club. Um, but again, it's it's the right career moves. It probably wasn't the right career move for Jeremy Lenz, but who knows if he goes to a club in the Premier League, uh, Siganov, he might succeed. It's just I think I think maybe like a uh, if you're going to say a Premier League club, uh, Sheffield United, um, they've got. I'm not saying it's definite, but I, I think a club that is I think with that defence behind him, I don't think he has to worry about defending too much. Um, they've got a back five, and I think that might be a way to get get them higher up. Um, obviously finished a good season actually with the British players and Chris Wilder might go that way uh, going to get a, a couple of British lads uh, rather than looking to yeah. the likes of Ukraine but it's maybe worth a, worth a punt I think Palace 
I think he. I don't think Palace. I've never imagine. Imagine that. Uh, obviously, they get a decent striker, but imagine behind that striker you got Will Saha. But Will Saha could. Will Saha could leave though. I think. I think Will Saha might be out of the way of Palace. I think. I think if he wants to finish off his career somewhere with a maybe. May, I don't think he might not. He might not win trophies at another club. But if he's gonna, he's not gonna be at Palace. Palace aren't gonna tra- challenge for trophies. And if Volsaha wants to go somewhere, he's got to move soon. Um, because he's getting to a point where he might not be able to. Uh, it didn't work out in Man United, but he might not be able to if he doesn't uh, think about think about moving on. Um, but enough about Wilfred Zaha. Going back to Siginov, he's worth, I think, obviously 20 million. It's not a lot to Premier League clubs. It is an investment for some, um, but definitely maybe somewhere else, maybe the Bundesliga, Leipzig, as I mentioned, Munchen Gladbach, Bayer Leverkusen. These clubs are probably at the level he needs to look at um to to maybe move on so we'll, we'll see what happens but um hopefully i hope to see him do quite well at uh, the likes of uh, dynamo kiev uh, and and ukraine as i mentioned um so yeah so moving on to my second player uh, i was thinking about uh, another lad that's at atlanta ruslan malinovsky um a central midfielder for them um, he's a 27-year-old, but he's only had uh, six. He's only played 16 times, and I think six starts uh, for Atalanta. So not a lot to go on. So the player I went to for my second player is a guy called Roman Yaramchuk. Um, he's a 24-year-old striker um, playing for Ghent uh, in the Belgian league, and he's had 18 games for Ghent this season and uh, getting. 10 goals and one assist um, for a striker. Um, so he joined in 1718 uh, for about 2 million, and his market value is about 8 to 10 million um, on transfer market. Obviously, I think that might go up because um, transfer market always kind of put a bit lower. Um, but yeah, if again, I think that might go up to say about 12, 13 uh, million for him. Um, so yeah, so he's played um, in every every one of the league games really uh, in the qualification and he got seven goals and three assists um, for Ukraine. Um, So yeah, pretty good stats, really good stats for him. Um, So just under one goal involvement um, per per 90 really. Um, So yeah, so he's he's another good player and I think he could do well for leading the line for Ukraine. He's 24 years old as as I said. Um, So I think... I think he's got a lot to, to lot to improve on, um, and I don't think he uh, well unless he has a stunning tournament. I don't think he will move on, um, but maybe when he's twenty six, twenty seven, he might think about another move. Again, these players might decide they don't want to move uh, from their club, but again, he could be tempted to move to the likes of Bund- the Bundesliga. Uh, is is kind of where I would see him uh, settling in. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, but. Um, yeah, uh, that's my second player, and that's me finished Ukraine. Brilliant! Thank you very much for that, Jordan. Very interesting. I'm interested to see um, Ukraine in the in the Euros. Um, Shevchenko, they did really well in qualifying. I think they're one to watch, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. So, so, so now, so, sorry, sorry. I was, I, I should have mentioned where I think they'll finish. Actually, is uh, you've just, you've just given me um, that nod, that, that nod there. Um, so, yeah, uh, where I think Ukraine will finish, I don't think they'll uh, get to the quarterfinals like they did in two thousand and six. 
Um, but I would give them the round of 16 again. Um, and if they're lucky, maybe the quarters, but uh, we'll see what happens. I do think they will probably come around about second in the group and we'll see where they go from there. But yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Jordan. That's, uh, that's top, top notch. Now we'll move on to Luca. Luca, you're going to talk us through. Let, tell us who you're going to talk us through. Yes, yeah, so I'm talking about Sweden, lads. Um, obviously, they've, they're a good footballing team. Um, they're, they're very team-orientated. They don't like to, to put it all on one player to sort of carry them through. Um, if, if this, obviously, when the Euro goes ahead, they're in Group E with Spain, Poland, uh, which are two tough teams. Um, and either Bosnia, Northern Ireland, Slovakia or Republic of Ireland. So that, that is a tough group to get out of, definitely. Uh, Sweden have appeared at six Euros, the first one being in 1992 when they hosted it themselves. Uh, and that was actually the furthest Sweden have ever got in a Euro tournament. Uh, they got to the semi-finals and they lost 3-2 to Germany, who are actually sort of a, a bogey team for Germany, uh, for Sweden, sorry. Uh, and now in the World Cup, Sweden have qualified 12 times out of 21. Uh, and they best finish was runners-up at the 1958 World Cup which they also hosted, um, which they, they lost 5-2 to Brazil, who had the likes of Garincha. And it was Pele's first ever World Cup. He was only 17. Uh, he scored six in that, in that World Cup. And he scored two against Sweden over in that 5-2 victory. I mean, getting beat, uh, get, getting beat by one of the greatest players ever. Um, I don't yeah. think you can. I don't think you can give them too much discredit um, for, for for getting thumped by Brazil. Then with Grinch, as you mentioned, and Carlos Alberto, I think, was at the back as well for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so. I, mean, yeah. I think there were about eight teams in the tournament, but fair play. To them. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's fair. It was an early stage um, for that for for the World Cup. But when you when you get to the the final. Um, was it the final then? Did you see the runners up then? So um, yeah, yeah. Get, get, getting thumped by Brazil, um, it's not it's not too bad. No, yeah. Well, since that World Cup, you know, Sweden have struggled to get out of the group stages um, until 1994 when America held the World Cup, and that was Henrik Larsson, obviously one of one of Swedish best ever players. Uh, that was his first ever tournament, uh, international tournament. But he only managed to pick one goal up. Uh, and consequently, Sweden did get to the semis, but once again, beaten by Brazil, 1-0, who they'd actually drew 1-1 with earlier in the tournament in the group stages. Um, all in all, Sweden have scored 80 goals in, in all their World Cup appearances uh, and 25 in the Euros. So they, they do like to get forward and attack. Um, and we did see that most recently, 2018 World Cup. Uh, Sweden topped their group. And despite losing 2-1 to Germany, we obviously remember last-minute Tony Cruz um, strike, which Germany did flop out of that World Cup, which nobody could have predicted. Um, Sweden, Sweden got far, they got to the quarters, but sadly were beaten 2-0 by England. Uh, sad no <laughs> well, sad for Swedish, but, you know, up the England. Um, so obviously, Swedish, I think Sweden were... They didn't really go into that tournament thinking, well, we're going to do something, much like England. But uh, I think the Swedish fans were happy with that quarter-final performance. And it actually got the manager, Jan Andersson, he was voted the 17th best manager in the world of 2018. Quite so that's, yeah. that's quite good, yeah. yeah. Now, good 
in this upcoming tournament, players players we've got to look for. Emil Forsberg, Leipzig midfielder. He, he's he's quality. I think he's maybe I think he's twenty eight. So he's yeah, getting 20, on. He's twenty eight. Yeah, I, I looked at him because I was looking at a couple of other play, uh, players um, for for Leipzig for other 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 club other countries as well. Um, but yeah, I was yeah. looking at Thorsberg. Um, and yeah, twenty years old, but still a quality attacking midfielder. Definitely, yeah. This this well, the season's been cut short now. Obviously, it's just got back going, but he's got five goals in the Bundesliga so far, and he's got four in the Champions League. So he's got a strike on him, um, and I think, I think if you've got the likes of the next lad I'm going to talk about, Alexander Isaac, who he can, mm-hmm. yeah, he can pass to, who can control the ball and do things with it. I think that'll be a good a good duo. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Alexander Isaac, he's only twenty, but he's six foot four and he's a goal machine. He's he scored thirteen goals in sixteen games in twenty eighteen for Willem Two in the Eredivisie, which is a it's a tough tough league. And he wasn't at the top. He wasn't at Ajax. He was only at you know Willem. Yeah, uh, that's, when he he, that's, that's when he went on loan from Dortmund because Dortmund signed yeah, him on loan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, IK didn't they? And uh, they they loaned him out. But um, yeah, it was I seemed to do quite well at Willem. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's so far scored seven for Sociedad. Uh, this season, so we could potentially have a top quality striker uh, on our hands. Um, and although he does have a completely different play style to, to you know Zlatan and Larsson, he could he could follow the Swedish legacy of, of having a top class striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but with with that being said, I I don't think I don't think Sweden will get past the round of sixteen. To be honest, because they defenses... might they might be lucky to get past that group with them too. They, they yeah. will... Um, because was it who who did you mention was the two teams? Um, Poland and who? Poland and Spain. Poland and Spain. So the thing is, with Poland and Spain, you've got like Sp- Spanish are coming back with a resurgence, I think now. And with Poland and Lewandowski, it's it's hard to say um, yeah. how well he'll do because he didn't do great last tournament, but I think he he will kick he will he will give Poland something to. F- um, to put fear into their opponents. Um, I think Sweden so, will win the group. What's Sweden that? Win the group. They'll win uh, the group. Win the group. Ooh, that, yeah. That's a shout. Uh, that's a shout. The, the Spanish. I have not rated the Spanish since they um, was it the 2014 World Cup. I'm rating mm-hmm. the Spanish. I think the Spanish are uh, an average side. Poland. Uh, Poland. Uh, Lewandowski rarely turns up in tournaments. Whoever goes through, obviously, in the that playoff will be obviously different opponents but but the one thing as Lucas said that Sweden have which is unrivaled in most football teams is is the the oneness and togetherness they work so hard I mean the players they've got they've got like players like Robin uh, Quaison um, mm-hmm. yeah I forgot about Quaison yeah uh, even what's his face Berg Berg's not a prolific striker but Berg puts in a shift for them uh, Forsberg a brilliant back four Lind, uh, Lindelof's a, a cracking player. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. Robin Olsen as well. Yeah, uh, he's just gone back to Forsberg. Okay. Yeah. Forsberg. Mm. I just wanted to say about Forsberg. It's good you brought Forsberg out. I don't think Forsberg gets the credit um, he deserves. I remember watching Forsberg in the um, the UEFA uh, Euro Under Twenty One tournament when Sweden won it. Um, and me and my my dad, we, we watched the whole tournament. Um, it, I think it was it was probably six seven years ago. Um, and Sweden won it. Sweden won the tournament. And my dad, obviously Luca knows this as well, and I know you know it as well, Jordan. He never ever rapes players. He thinks he thinks every player is rubbish. But he sat there and he watched Emil Forsberg. And he went, you know what? 
he's a good player. Um, and Forsberg, he was pivotal in them winning it. So Forsberg's a good one. Sweden are definitely a team to watch. I don't think they'll go the distance, but I think they'll give, I think they'll give a few teams a run for their money. You know, they were, they were minutes away from getting a, a, a draw against Germany in the World Cup. I think they took the lead in that game as well. Um, they're a good team. They're a good team, the Swedes, and they do turn up at the, the proper tournaments. I was also, I was going to bring out earlier, I was going to bring out when I mentioned Dortmund there. Uh, Dortmund signed him from AIK for about 7.74 million, um, and he did well at Willem. And then I think he was at Dortmund on the bench, obviously, uh, whether that was the Alcacer and Aubameyang, but they, they, they sold him to Real Sociedad. Um, do you want to know how much they, on, they only sold him for? They sold him for 12 million. No, it was 5.85 million. Wow. So less than what they bought him for. So that, that's yeah. really surprising. If I was Dortmund, I would have sent him out on another loan, probably. Um, or even I, like a, a release, like a percentage if he got sold on or something, yeah. Yeah, or, or they might have done that. Again, they might have done that. Um, but for that for that minimal fee, I would have expected them to make a profit um, if he had that good season at Willem. Uh, so yeah, but it, it's quite a shame because I think he's done he's done quite well at Sociedad. He's he's behind William Jose, um, the Brazilian striker. Um, so yeah, uh, looking here, obviously say seven goals, one assist in twenty seven games. So not bad uh, for a second striker actually. So um, yeah, hopefully he's only twenty. Uh, so yeah, lots of time to kick on. So. Cracking, cracking research there, Luca. And can I just say, I know obviously it was 2018 as well, but I'm really enjoying hearing about Sweden without Ibrahimovic because yeah, I'm really enjoying hearing a different Sweden. I really, I think it's fresh. And it's, like it's, it. It, it's needed, I think, for Sweden because they've, yeah. they've had Zlatan there for too long and he's, I'm glad he's not coming back uh, for the, well, I'm glad almost the Euros have been suspended because he actually might have came back. Um, if it was this, if it was this summer, because he's at AC Milan again, so it's Zlatan. He, he would have come back, um, I, I, and I'm glad that Sweden. I'm hoping that Sweden wouldn't have asked him uh, to come back and wouldn't have selected him. And but I think for now, with it being extended to next year, um, yeah, I don't think there's any chance of him being there uh, for 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 that tournament. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's that's just I think that's great for for Sweden. Anyway, that, that's halfway through. We're halfway through with the team, so we're gonna we're gonna plough on to the second part now, which obviously takes it back to myself. Now, the team that I'm going to be speaking about now is Switzerland, the good old Swiss. Um, now, believe it or not, Switzerland haven't always been the solid team they are at, at the moment. They they used to be pretty mediocre. Um, now, obviously, they, they've obviously turned into a solid side. Um, and that's obviously, in my opinion, down to Vladimir Petkovic, the coach. Um, the Bosnian, he's been in charge for six years of Switzerland now. And he boasts a very impressive win ratio of 56% as coach of Switzerland, which is, is very impressive for, for a coach, especially of a national side. Um, and they're, they're qualifying in general. They're, they're qualifying immaculate. Um, Pre-Petkovic, um, the Swiss and the Euros just uh, it were a waste of time. Absolute waste of time. Um, they, they finished bottom uh, of their group in their first tournament in 96 and then 2004 and 2008. They didn't even manage to qualify. 
in 2012. The only way they qualified for the 2008 World Cup was because they hosted it with, with Austria. Um, you know, so the, 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 they weren't a very good side, but forget about that um, because the past few tournaments, Euro 2016 and obviously the World Cup in 2018, the, the Swiss, they've fallen at the last 16 hurdle, yes, but after a strong Nations League performance um, last summer in, in 2019, um, they reached the finals, obviously, and obviously a devastating qualifying campaign. I think they won their group. I can't remember who exactly who was in their group. Um, it was was it? I think it was Portugal. It was Portugal. Uh, I think who were in their group, and they won their group. Um, they're on the verge of something big. I really think they're on the verge of something big, and I think this could be the year for them to go even further. I really do. I think they're, they're capable of taking that that extra step now. Talking of past players, um, I've been good this time. I've gone for one. Um, Alexander Fry. Now, we can't not mention on a podcast when we're talking about Switzerland, the all-time leading scorer for Switzerland, um, with a very impressive 80, uh, sorry, 42 goals in 84 games. Um, and he's also the sixth most capped player of all time as well. Um, he's represented Switzerland at two Euros, two World Cups. Um, so he's very experienced. And he was a very prolific striker. Uh, for every club he played for, on average, I totaled up all his, all his um, goals and games. Now, remember, he played for Borussia Dortmund, played mm-hmm. for Stad Rans, uh, Rans, sorry, played for Basel for a number of years. He averaged just under a goal a game, which for any striker in any league is, is extremely impressive. Extremely impressive. Um, he was at the peak of his performance in the 2006 World Cup in Germany. He scored two goals and he got two man of match displays, which helped Switzerland top their group. And they were in a group, they topped the group above the eventual runners up, France, uh, which was, was very impressive. And I mean, Alexander Fry is obviously a legend of the, legend of the Swiss national team. So you've you got to bring him up. You've got to, you've got to, no choice. Mm-hmm. Present players. Um, now, I've got one player that I'm going to talk about who obviously fits the build of a one to watch and he's a young attacking player. But I think we've got to spend some time talking about Jan Sommer. Um, widely classed as one Definitely of the most does. underrated. Definitely doesn't get enough credit. Uh, no, bang on. I was just going to say, he's widely classed as one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the world. Um, and he's, he's one of the best in the Bundesliga, that there's no denying. He's kept 24 clean sheets in 53 games for Switzerland. and uh, He's only conceded 44 goals um, which are fantastic stats I think for, for for Switzerland who you know who haven't got who haven't always had such a fantastic defence um, he's an excellent shot stopper there's no denying about that um, and he's a very commanding presence in his box and I remember watching the UEFA Nations League semi-final uh, no third and fourth playoff against England uh, last summer and he was immense uh, he, England, we, England only won on penalties but he was just so hard to, uh, to, to break down. Um, he's 31 years old, which obviously for goalkeepers, goalkeepers, you can probably get another 10 years out of, of Jan Sommer. And I think after another season, followed by the Euros, um, I think he deserves a move to a top club. And now I've marked uh, Borussia Dortmund as the club Jan Sommer should get a chance for. Now, a, a I know Swiss for a Swiss. A Swiss for a Swiss. Yeah. Now, I think you know, Jordan, I'm not the biggest fan of Roman Berkey. Definitely not. Um, but I think Jan Sommer deserves... I can't see Sommer going anywhere else and starting 
Um, I, I, I put him in, so what I put him in for, um, I watched a video from Football Daily. I'm, I'm not going to plug too many other podcasts on this podcast we've got, um, but I watched a video from them and they've done, I think it was Chris Hamill mentioned, uh, what, how can um, how can the likes of East Milan come back to what they used to be? I don't think they're ever going to be back to what they used to be, but if Gianluigi Donnarumma moves on, which I think is more and more likely um, as he grows older. He's, he's still young. Um, I think he must be only just over the age of 20. I'm not sure exactly what age he is. He's been on the, been on uh, the scene for a long he's time. He's been on the scene for a long time. He's, he's like still, 21. He started when he was about 16, uh, AC. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He was, he was 7 when he was 16 as well. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> a, he's a massive guy. I remember watching him live for AC Milan. He's a massive guy. But I think he will go to a top club. Um, I... I said I think he'll end up at like PSG um, or mm. maybe maybe Juventus, but they've got Wojciech Szczesny, so I don't think he'll go. I think I don't think he'll replace Wojciech Szczesny at the moment. Um, but I said PSG for him for Gianluigi Donnarumma, but for Jan Sommer, I think AC Milan could do a lot worse than Jan Sommer. They could do much worse um, than picking up a solid goalkeeper. Fair enough, you said he's thirty-one. Um, but definitely a player that I think has got still a lot to give um, to a, a top European club. Um, and yeah, I think AC, it's who knows what their situation will be um, and what other players they'll bring in. I think they might bring in the wrong players because it's AC Milan. They always done, they, they've done that for the last 10 years, uh, if not longer. Um, but I think uh, Jan Sommer's probably probably worth a shout. Yeah, they do some stupid things, AC Milan. They buy some strange players, but let's hope. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed it, uh, watching AC Milan. Let's hope they sort it out. And Summer would be, Jan uh, Summer would, they would definitely be a, a good addition. But yeah, Summer's definitely, Summer's definitely. I think he's got a, a big couple of um, decisions to make in, in the next couple of years. Anyway, moving on to my second player and the one who I've been the most excited to talk about uh, today, and that is. Not a very Swiss-sounding name, but Ruben Vargas. Not Eduardo Vargas, Ruben Vargas. Now, he's a 21-year-old winger, and he's only played three, three games for Switzerland. He scored one goal against Gibraltar in, in qualifying. Um, but he's been a hit at Augsburg this season so far. Um, he scored his first goal against Union Berlin uh, in his second match. Um, I, I believe he's played um, over 30 games for Augsburg this season. I think he scored four or five goals and got two assists, which... Isn't bad for your first season in, in the Bundesliga. I watched a few clips of this guy today, and I've watched plenty of him uh, this season as well. Um, and honestly, I have to I have to say I'm, I'm so I'm so impressed for a player that um, Augsburg snapped up for, for 2.4 million from Luzren um, in in the Swiss league. It's brilliant bit of business. He's so quick, he's so direct, and he, he's actually really enjoyable to watch. Um, he reminds me a lot of a quicker version of Ivan Perisic because he's so direct, but also he's he's so he's quite happy just to cut inside and get a shot away or get a cross away, or just just to try something, you know. And I think it's really refreshing to watch, especially in a young player, because I think that's kind of a dying breeder a little. Um, he looks a real talent, um, and I think off the back of a, another season in the Bundesliga. Um, and maybe a good Euros. Um, he could be. He could be hot property. Um, but he's, he's such a, an, an impressive player um, for 21 years of age, first season in the, the Bundesliga, and 
he's been a bit of a revelation for Augsburg. Augsburg have never been your fashionable team. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, definitely. They're more of your... I'd say, no disrespect if you're an Augsburg fan listening to this or a Stoke City fan, but Augsburg and Stoke, they've got some similarities. You know, They're not known for any real pace, let's just say. The, the, the one player that I, I remember, again, he's not, the pace, he's not a pacey player, um, but I remember, uh, is it Bobadilla? Um, he was striker. Oh, Raul Bobadilla. Yeah, yeah Raul Bobadilla. He was always a funny-looking yeah. player. He was a funny-looking player, um, but he always used to score goals. Um for yeah, for for, for Augsburg. So, um, yeah, but again, as you mentioned, he's this kid. He looks like he's going to be a real good player. Um, four. I've, I've got stats up again. Four goals and two assists. Um, for Augsburg in twenty twenty eight games. So, um, yeah. long may that continue for him. Um, I don't know if you're going to mention any other players, Theo. Um, I I had a couple. I was I was I was thinking of off the top of my head. Um, do do you have anyone else to add? Nope, nope. Uh, no, so, no, go, go for it. So, so the players I was going to mention is Dennis Zakaria, um, a, a, a real metronome in the Munchen Glad, uh, Borussia Munchen Gladbach side. Um, quite, quite small actually. He's not, he's not the tallest player, um, but for for um, Switzerland, he'll be next to Granit Xhaka, um, and we all know Granit Xhaka um, a as being a bit of clum, being a bit clumsy uh, for Arsenal, uh, being quite a tough tackler, but really, I'm uh, actually one of Jack's biggest fans. What's that? Sorry, I'm one of Jack's biggest fans. Really? Oh, I, I, I yeah. personally, I'm not a huge fan of him. I didn't think he's done great at Arsenal, but I'm excited to see what Arteta does with him. Um, Mikel Arteta, he's looked really good under Mikel Arteta. Really starting to um, become more than just a he was never really a defensive midfielder in Gladbach and I think that's what Arsenal thought he was um, and I don't think Emery used him quite right uh, and it'll be interesting to see what Arteta does with him uh, once the Premier League continues uh, but he looked really good coming in but going back to Dennis Zakaria I'm, I'm just getting him up here um, Dennis Zakaria he's a real real decent player um, he's actually taller than I thought he's, he's around about I think Around about just over six foot, so he's he's not actually that small. I thought he was smaller than than that. Um, he's gonna cost a pretty penny if any anyone goes for him um, after the Euros and goes for him this season, uh, up this upcoming season. Um, but yeah, he he he's a decent player, um, defensive midfield, centre midfielder, uh, two goals and two assists for Munchen Gladbach, and yeah, he's he's looked really good alongside. I thought I forgot the guy's name again. Uh, is it Ben? It's not Ben Asser, but it's it's something like that. Uh, I'd have to look at the Munchen Gladbach team. I haven't I haven't had a chance to properly look, but again, yeah, I, I would say Dennis Sakari is probably um, yeah worth worth keeping your eye on um, if you're watching. Yeah, some- yeah, decent player. I did look at Zakaria. Yeah. Uh, yeah, glad you glad you brought that up, uh, Jordan. So we have got three players there to to look out for for. Um, for Switzerland. Finally, where I think they'll finish. Now they're in a tough group with Italy, Wales, and Austria. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say again, we're going for, for quite controversial opinions here. I think they'll win the group. I think Switzerland will win the group. Uh, I think they can easily reach the quarterfinals as well. Um, now the reason I say that is because Italy historically 
sometimes struggle to get going at tournaments. Uh, I don't know what will happen with the Welsh, um, and I don't rate Austria in the slightest. They were big uh, favourites, not favourites, but they were big dark horses for Euro 2016, and I think they got one point in three games in quite a favourable group as well. Um, the Swiss were a solid side, no denying they're a solid side. Um, I just think they need to sort out maybe a striker. I don't rate Joseph Dermich. I actually can't stand Joseph Dermich. And I can't stand Harris Severovic as well. And Ahmed Mehmedi because of football manager. I have a player of a career and they never could, could, could score. So I can't stand them. But, um, but yeah, they get that sorted. I think they could really do some at this tournament. I, I would not be surprised if they reached the quarters or even the semis. But yeah, Switzerland. So that's... Uh, so I was going to mention. I was I was just going to mention the player for that Dennis Sicaria plays alongside. Um, in case I, I I did get the name wrong. Um, it's Rami Bensabini. Um, that's that's yeah Bensabini. That, that's the player that he plays alongside. I, I I was forgetting his name. I knew it would begin with a B. Um, but I just thought I'd correct myself. Um, in case anyone anyone calls me out for it. Um, so yeah. I think so. Yeah, I call think it, call them out for it. Yeah. I do think Switzerland <laughs> as well could could get far because. They've got a good defence. They've got Ricardo Rodriguez, uh, Akanji. They've, they've yeah. got good defenders. So they've got. Yeah, we'll see isn't, it, isn't it Fabian Fabian Shear? Is Fabian Shear? Yeah, as well. Yeah, Newcastle. So, so that's a really good defence alongside Solomon. It's cracking defence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a, re- a real dark horse. Um, and I'm real glad, dark you, horse, glad yeah. you brought that out. Feel that's that's a really good dark horse. No to go for. Jordan Wright. We'll move on to uh, your second team. Take it away for us. Yeah. So, so my last and final team is in Group D in England's group. Um, and so it's England, Croatia, uh, and the co- other qualifying teams could be. Uh, Serbia, Norway, Israel or Scotland so hopefully Scotland make that because that would be nice to see them at a tournament but they're not the teams I'm going for the, the team in that group that I've not mentioned is Czech Republic so Czech Republic, let's talk a wee bit about the history about Czech Republic so Czech Republic used to be part of the original Czechoslovakia um, so they finished runners up in this ever, the second ever uh, FIFA World Cup to, Ital- to host Italy in 1934 and they also finished runners-up in 1962. Um, they later won the Euro Championship in 1976. Um, so they have won the tournament. Well, Czechoslovakia have won the tournament. Um, so the original kind of Czech Republic, really. Um, however, once Czechoslovakia was dis- dissolved in 1993, um, they later became known as Czech Republic. Um, they took part in the 1996 Euros and finished runners-up. Um, and since that, they have they have featured at every Euro since, um, and they have also featured at the World Cup in 2006, which was their only one. So in the World Cup, they haven't done great, but in Europe and the Euros, they have uh, qualified for everyone uh, since they became Czech Republic. Um, so yeah, so some players they had in the past. Um, one that I'm going to mention in particular that I did say I was going to say at the start. Uh, that I was going to save um, at the start for the, for this section. So the the players I was going to mention, you've got the likes of Jan Koller, um, played for Borussia Dortmund. You've got Thomas Rosicki, um, who's known for both uh, Dortmund and for Arsenal, especially for Premier League fans. Um, you've also got Milan Baros, who played for Liverpool, I believe. Milan Baros was it? Was it Liverpool or was it um, was it for? It was uh, Liverpool and sadly Aston Villa. Yeah. 
right, was it Liverpool? I thought it was Liverpool. I was I, I didn't know about Villa. I, I forgot about Villa, but um, yeah, did did play for did play for Liverpool and and won the two thousand. Was he part of the two thousand? Uh, was it two thousand six Champions League or was it two thousand five? What was the what was um, the 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 famous game against Milan? Uh, it was 05 mate was it was Istanbul. Uh, yeah, Istanbul. Istanbul. Um, so yeah, I think he was part of that squad. I'm not. I'm not. I would need to do a wee bit of research later on about that. I should have really, really brought that to the table. I think he was part of that squad. If not after that, uh, just after that. Um, they've also had the great Petr Cech. Um, quite an interesting name being called Czech and being Czech. Um, so yeah, so he's he's a, a cracking keeper, a Premier League legend. Um, but the one player I'm going to really cover in detail is the great Pavel Nedved. Uh, Pavel Nedved, what can you say about him but just a blonde maestro. Proper blonde maestro Pavel Nedved was. He, scored, he played 91, 91 games and scored 18 goals um, and scored countless goals for uh, Juventus, uh, which he was part of a famous side with Del Piero. Um, Buffon came into that side and a whole, a whole host of players uh, for them. And yeah, so so a cracking player, Pavel Nedved, and yeah, um, he's 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 just fantastic, really. Um, and as I was saying earlier, I was I was surprised with our Shavin's stats because, as you mentioned, Theo earlier, I kind of consider them the same position off the left wing, um, Nedved and and our Shavin, and our Shavin stats kind of compares to Nedved. That's what I was going to bring out earlier, but I thought I'd, I'd hold back on Nedved's name, but it's. It, and and that might be giving Arshavin too much credit, to be honest, with a, with a an icon um, as such as Pavel mm. Nedved. But with them stats, with uh, Arshavin's stats, you got to look at it and go similar stats to Nedved in terms of playing for his country. And yeah, it, it's quite interesting look, to look at. Um, but even going into recent years, they've had some young, exciting players. Um, and they're starting. These players are starting to prosper in Europe's top five leagues, actually. Um, some more recent than others, and yeah, it's interesting to to have a look at. Actually, uh, it was it was fun researching these players because y- you hear of them, but you don't actually really know what they've done. Like you actually don't know what they've done until you properly look. Uh, so the first player I'm going to mention is Patrick Schick. Uh, Patrick Schick um, is a cracking player. I've got to say yeah. that because I think he's underrated, and mainly because of his failure um, at his parent club, AS Roma. Um, so going back to Patrick, but he's on currently on loan at RB Leipzig um, behind the ever-scoring Timo Werner. So it's not easy to play every single game for Leipzig when you've got Werner, you've got Christian Poulsen, I think, still there. Um, so it's not hard to, it, it's pretty hard to get into that side. Um, but he's actually done really well this season, actually. Uh, considering how many games he's played. So he's a 24-year-old uh, centre-forward, big guy. Um, his first se- his first big season uh, was when he joined Sampdoria in the 16-17 season. He was probably only about 19-20, so quite a young kid coming onto the scene. And he played 32 times, uh, sc- scoring, I think, 11 and assisting about eight and also scoring two in the cup as well, in the uh, Coppa Italia. And there was many big clubs interested in him, and one of those was Roma, AS Roma. So they took um, this 
a punt on on this on on this young kid coming out of Sampdoria, um, or, or coming into Sampdoria, doing really well. They took a punt on a one season, possibly a one season wonder, um, but uh, and and he did flop sadly. Um, they bought him for twenty six million euros, um, so quite a big chunk of money spent on this guy, and he never really hit the heights um, in in Italy. In 17-18, in his first year, he only managed to conjure up three goals in all competitions, playing 26 times. And then again in 18-19, he played 32 games and contributed five goals and three assists, which isn't too bad, but it isn't great. It isn't great when you've spent 26 million on 26 million euros on a striker. You kind of want better value for money. Um, and I was I was thinking about Schick and. It's it's quite interesting that he's gone on loan to Leipzig. I think Leipzig's really done well because they've kind of brought his career back a bit um, and really given him a bit of a stepping stone to maybe move move on now. Uh, obviously, it's 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 hard to say that he didn't succeed in Italy because he done really well for Sampdoria, um, but he's probably need, needs to leave Roma um, once he returns. I think he needs to look for a way out, probably back to the Bundesliga. Um, but at Leipzig this season, he's uh, appeared 17 times, scored eight and assisted two. Um, so really good considering, um, again, a backup to, to, to Timo Werner. Um, so yeah, and he's got uh, one assist uh, in the Champions League as well. Um, so he's, he's only played three times in the Champions League, to be fair. Um, so not a lot of appearances to go on uh, for that. Um, but it would be incredible to see um, what he can do if he takes the lead. Um, I think he, I think if Werner moves on in the summer um, and Leipzig want to go and buy him, I think I, think I would take a go on him. Um, if not, maybe... The likes of uh, München Gladbach, Dortmund even might be a shout. I know they've got Haaland, but again, why not go for a backup striker and Schick? Uh, might be worth a worth a go, um, and to come on and maybe change a game, change a game in the late late stages of games. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting to see what he does. Uh, but in terms of what he's offered Czech Republic, he's played 22 times, scoring nine goals um, in international games. Um, so I think leading the line for Czech Republic at the Euros um, next year uh, will be a threat to England, Croatia and the eventual team who gets in. I think they're going to have to really mark him at the game and keep ta- keep an eye on him because he's a quick, he's not, even for his height, he's very quick. Um, I watched a couple of videos, he's very quick, likes to get in behind still. Um, so, and he kind of reminds me of Haaland a bit, uh, quite a big guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Um, I think about. I like him a lot. I thought also. Um, what, so yeah. So 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 you. What do you like about him, Theo? Have, have you kind of watched him loads, or watch what's your? Yeah, well, I've watched quite a bit. I've I've, I've, um, I've watched quite a bit of Sheik. I watched a lot of him last season at Roma. Um, and funnily enough, he's in my mind because I watched a bit of the Leipzig game last night, and he scored a cracking header. But what I like about Sheik is. He's so unconventional. He's not what you expect. He's he's tall. He's a tall lad. He's not particularly strong, but he he works with what he's got. Uh, that's kind of a, a strange saying, but he's very skillful and he offers a lot. And I think Schick, he's just the perfect player to have up front in your team. 
he just compliments everyone. I really, really, I've been a fan of Schick for a long time. I think he was unlucky at Roma. I really do. Um, last season, he, he scored a few goals. I just didn't think he got the service. Roma had a poor year, and it was kind of me managing Schick out. And obviously, Leipzig, you know, Leipzig don't sign poor players. Yeah. They sign good players. Because what, what players did he have alongside him at Roma? I don't, I don't really remember. I remember when Alisson left, that, that, it that was, um, they lost their defensive capabilities. But who did they really have alongside him? It was... Really? Um, they had Zaniolo, who had kind right. of a, he burst yeah. onto the scene and that was yeah. it. They had Senning uh, Under. Oh, yeah. Kind of Unde, Unde, Unde. And then and Justin Cliver. Cliver. Yeah, I forgot about Justin Yeah, Cliver. he kind of, so it was quite a young, inexperienced kind of set attacking. Up, set up. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I mean, Roma's best player last season was Alexander Kolarov. So that kind of highlights. The attacking wise, they were yeah. woeful, and I think as uh, well they they had Eden Jekyll still. So Eden Jekyll, still yeah, is, is he still at? I think he's still at Roma. He's still um, at Roma, to, yeah. To, to, to my knowledge, um, but with with uh, Schick, it's going to be hard to surpass surpass Jekyll. But again, you look at how many games he was given; it wasn't great, um, to say the least. But you never know. Uh, Roma, hopefully, they can bring in a couple of players to support him. But I think I definitely think a move on for him uh, to the Bundesliga um, is definitely probably the way to go. Yeah, I think Schick's found is he's found that the league that suits him now, which yeah. I think is is the Bundesliga. It definitely Patrick Schick in the Bundesliga. Whether Leipzig got to buy him permanently, which to be honest, if they sell Werner, I could see them doing. Um, or whether he moves to a club like Leverkusen, Gladbach, Dortmund, you don't know. I think he's found his home. Yeah, I think the one player I was thinking about him taking over is a player we're going to mention later on. I think, Luca, you're going to mention him. Um, but the, I think he could really replace him at Leverkusen, um, the player we'll, let, we'll later mention. But, uh, yeah. Like the bit of surprise there, like the bit of surprise Yeah, a bit, a, bit of, a bit of suspense, <laughs> but I think everyone has an idea who we're talking about if you've watched the Bundesliga. Um, uh, then we're up. He's, De- Dem- Demerbe. Yeah. No, not Demerbe. Not de- definitely not Demerbe. Um, he's he's definitely not the player we're talking about. I think we're talking about a more prolific player um, in that striker slash centre attacking midfield role. Um, but yeah, we're we're definitely gonna we'll we'll touch on him a bit later with Luca. Um, but the last player I'm going to mention for the Czech Republic, um, and it's a player that's recently came to the Premier League actually. Um, it's Thomas Suchek. I think that's how you say his name. He's on loan at West Ham United. I thought they had West Ham United had actually bought him uh, from Sparta Prague. Yeah, so did I. Um, but they haven't. Um, they, they didn't buy him. They loaned him for about four or five million euros, and he's worth about 10 to 12 million. Um, West Ham, if they stay up, I think they might buy him. Um, he's only played four times, which is it's kind of unfortunate, obviously, with the, the situation we're in, uh, with football and with the rest of the world that, that's in at the moment. Um, it's it's a shame that he's not been able to show his ability because actually done really well at Sparta Prague. And, and fair enough, it's the Czech League. Um, but he he played um, most games for Sparta Prague and got eight goals and three assists from centre midfield. So centre midfield slash centre defensive mid, that's a really good tally, um, to say the Very least. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he stays in the Premier League. Um, I think that's He's 25 years old, and yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, he's had he's a really tall guy as well. 
and that'll suit the Premier League really well. I think uh, West Ham could do with that. Obviously, Mark Noble's coming to the end of his career, um, so definitely probably a replacement for Mark Noble to partner Declan Rice. Um, so yeah, I think I think that would be a shout if they can stay in the Premier League. Would be going for Suchek. Um, so yeah, we'll see we'll see what he can do. Um, if he doesn't stay at West Ham, I think another Premier League club might take a punt on him. Um, or again, who knows? We'll see what happens. I think there's a lot of clubs that could take him uh, from Sparta Prague. I think he's ready for that move. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens for him. In terms of Czech Republic, where I think they can finish, it's going to be tough in a group with England and Croatia. Both got to high rounds in the World Cup last year. Or not last year, in 2018, I should say. Um, with the likes... Of, of them teams I think it's going to be tough um, they've they've got uh, some other good players the the goalkeepers for them uh, they've got both Thomas Valchek I think from Sevilla um, in goals and also uh, Yari uh, Pavlenka as well from mm-hmm. Werder Bremen who hasn't had a good year at Werder Bremen but um, still a good goalkeeper and has had good years for Werder Bremen they've had a poor season um, hopefully they can stay up um, but if not, I think he will move to another Bundesliga club. Um, probably, I, I, I don't know who exactly. Again, he Dortmund, could end up at Gladbach. It, it could be at Gladbach if Dortmund takes Sommer. Um, as you were saying, Dortmund could do could do well, quite well if they can get Sommer. So he could go to Gladbach would be a good step uh, for a player like player like Pavlenka. Um, so yeah, Suchek. It'll be nice to see him um, playing in the middle uh, for for Czech Republic and it'll be interesting to see what he can do if he stays in the Premier League um, so yeah for, for his national side he's played 25 games and got three goals um, so so not too bad for, for a central midfielder um, as I said he done well in the, the Czech League so um, hopefully he can get a few goals in the in the in the Euros maybe a, a banger or two from centre midfield you never know because that's usually the case with the central midfielders they usually hit it from long range and it, it it goes in. So um could be a goal goal of the tournament coming up from someone like him. You never know. Bold prediction there, Jordan. I have to admit, um I am quite in, interested to uh to to see how the Czechs do. obviously with them being in England's group, I did watch quite a bit of them um, and keep an eye on the score. And, and they looked at times they looked very, very good, at times they looked very, very poor. So I'm be interested. England yeah, won't hey. beat them five nil like they did in the first uh, game of the qualifying, but I'll be interested to see what they can do. I'm sure they'll come and they'll they'll give England a, a real good game. Possibly inconsistent, but it'll be interesting. I don't know, obviously, where whether it'll be England at Wembley. Um, that game, you we don't know where they're going to be. Uh, I don't know. Has it been decided where they're going to play? Um, it was. It is Wembley, but obviously, with what's gone on with the coronavirus, yeah, you, you so, don't know anymore. So, but. so we don't know. So, but we'll see what happens. I think. Yeah. Um, it'll be nice to see these players develop another year. It'll be nice to see Schick, um, as I said, go to a, a club and get regular game time and see what he can do because he's done well at Leipzig. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think that's a good point to end with Czech Republic and we'll move on, I think. Brilliant. Awesome. So we'll now move on to the last country. Luca, take it away for us. Yeah, so this is thinking, they might be thinking, dark horses, Germany might not be in the equation. But, you know, after coming off the back of 2018, when they crashed out of the group stage, you, you know, you never know. And, and I personally think the group they've been drawn in, they're in, group, they're in Group F with France, Portugal, the current champions, 
uh, and either Iceland, who have got an upset in them, Romania, Hungary or Bulgaria. So you, you never know what, what could happen in that group. Um, Germany, three-time Euro winners, 1972, 1980, 1996. And they've won the World Cup four times, most recently 2014. Obviously, lads, we remember Goethe, uh, last gas winner against Argentina. Um, but as I've, as I've mentioned, most recent tournament, Germany completely shocked everyone. Uh, but not in a positive way, as, as they crashed out the 2018 World Cup group stage. It's something nobody saw coming. And it's actually the, the only the second time in Germany's history that they've gone out in the group stage. Um, people have many theories on, on why, why they, they did so, so poorly. Uh, some saying that, that Lowe should have chose Leroy Sané. Uh, instead, he took Julian Brandt. But personally, I, I think it comes down to Germany not having... a a leader in, in the dressing room because in 2014 they had Philip Lahm, Per Mertesacker uh, and obviously the, the greatest goal scorer in World Cup history, Mirosav Closer, who the players could look up to. But in 2018, they, they didn't really have someone someone to look at uh, as, a, as a role model. Um, someone who was in that squad is a, a big talking point. Um, we'll, we'll talk about him a bit here, Manuel Neuer. Uh, it's, it's a debate whether he should continue to start for Germany, uh, or Barcelona keeper Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, should, should, he, should it be his time? Uh, Neuer's been Germany's number one for 10 years after, after his tournament debut in the 2010 World Cup. And his standout moment for that World Cup was obviously Lampard's goal that never was. Um, and, and interestingly, Neuer actually commented after, he said, I knew it went in, I just had to pretend like it didn't. So he, he knew in that moment, obviously it shows what, what a crafty boy he is, but you know we won't talk about that. <laughs> the, um, German, the Germans have always been a bit crafty, um, but again, again, it, it was it was England's demise for 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 us Scotsmen, so we weren't too we weren't too bothered either. So yeah, yeah. Noise Noise won seven Bundesliga titles, uh, four German cups, and the Champions League trophy, just to name a few. But lads, do you think it's time for a change? Uh, well, I've had a, a lot of. Th- thought about this and I've I've really thought that Neuer is is probably if this isn't going to be as I think this is if it's going to be his last tournament I think it's got to be um whether he starts and I can't really say I'd, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay ahead I wouldn't put him ahead of Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. I think Marc-Andre I think Neuer has had more clean sheets this season and a, re- a much better season than he had uh, the previous one, he had a really shaky previous season um, at Bayern Munich, and there was there was that's when the talk kind of started. Should he really be the main goalkeeper? But I think he will start this last tournament. He's captain, um, but I don't. I, I personally would put go with Mark Andre Torstegen. Um, I do think Neuer is oh, he's renowned for a sweeper keeper attitude, but again, as the, because he's thirty four, I think he's going to lose that pace and he's going to lose that battle. Um, so I think he needs to avoid doing that um, as best he can. He's not the young, the young sweeper keeper um, he was in the 2014 uh, World Cup. Um, so I, I, I would be careful if I was him um, because he could embarrass himself at his last tournament. And I think it would probably be worthwhile um, considering it because if they have one poor, if he, I think if he has one poor bad game, I think it's inevitable that Ter Stegen comes in. Um, as the the number one goalkeeper uh, after that, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But I I do think 
it, it, there, there's some good points you brought uh, there, Luke. He's a Champions League winner. He's a winner. He's a World Cup winner. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, Lowe will go with him uh, rather than Ter Stegen. Uh, I personally wouldn't. I And I also think uh, no matter what happens this tournament, I think this will be Wacom Lowe's uh, last tournament, in my opinion, as well. Um, because I think even if he goes and wins the World Cup, uh, not the World Cup, the Euros, sorry. If he goes and wins the Euros, um, I think you may as well move on. What what else are you to do? Um, and if he has a good tournament, I think he'll leave. Whether that be semi-finals, I think he'll leave. Um, and I think I, I think if he gets knocked out early on, je- the, I don't see how the German national team can't look at the likes of Jurgen Klopp, um, and the other managers that are available at the moment, Nagelsmann. I know, I know Nagelsmann's a bit young, um, but I, I can't see how they can't look at him. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you move on, but I would go with Terstegen personally, Luca. Theo, do you got anything? To say? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was some good points there, uh, Jordan. Um, I, I keep on denying on this one. I keep going back and forth. Um, there's no denying that unless he gets injured, Manuel Neuer will be Germany's number one um, in the Euros. No denying about that. I, I do keep on going back and forth, as I'm saying. I'm a big fan of Testegen, and I'm a big fan of um, Manuel Neuer as well. But for me, I think Neuer's got to start. I think it, it's got to be Neuer at the moment. Neuer, don't get me wrong, Testegen's a world-class goalkeeper. In, but but Neuer is, is so vital for Germany. And I think Germany's fault in past... Uh, tournaments, for example, the, the 2018 was that Yogi Lowe just he he didn't pick the right players. He, he upset the balance too much, um, and I, I just don't think he can do that again with Neuer. Neuer's Neuer's leader, Neuer's the, the backbone of the Germany team. When you think of Germany, one of the first players who comes to your heads, the first players are Manuel Neuer, uh, Tony Cruz. Um, I think he's very important to have. Neuer offers more than just his goalkeeping skills, which are truly incredible. Um, Neuer offers obviously leadership, um, determination. Neuer's a, Neuer's a beast. And I think Neuer's picked up his form a bit as well. Now, Neuer didn't dip. Obviously, Neuer got injured, but he didn't dip massively. He dipped to a to a... Hugo Lloris level, let's say. But I think he started to climb back up and I would say he's still in the top three goalkeepers um, in the world. But yeah, I think I think you've got to have Manuel Neuer. To stay, you know, I feel like it's a bit unlucky for him as well as even Bern Leno when Bern Leno yeah, was... Yeah, I was, was going to mention Bern Leno as well. Uh, Leverkusen form, it's, it's, for me. Uh-huh. Uh, Arsenal form, he's been... He's made a lot of saves, he's, Leno. He's actually done really well for Arsenal. I think, I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves at Arsenal, to be honest. Um, I think he's really been one of their standout players since coming into the into the Arsenal side. You got to remember the the keepers that have, uh, Arsenal have had, they've not had re- really much success with goalkeepers, and I think they finally found someone. Um, and I'm not going to compare him to his German compatriot that's went that went to Arsenal in Jens Lehmann because he's not Jens Lehmann, um, but he definitely has improved Arsenal's defensive record. And I think under Arteta, I think Arteta. Um, has really got a good goalkeeper he can use uh, to build out from the back now. Um, I do think they need the defence Arsenal, but I think they've got Leno as a goalkeeper. He's 28, and I think he'll be there for another few seasons. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Just obviously, just before I hand 
back to, to Luca, I just wanted to say I do completely agree with your point on, on Yogi Lowe. It's uh, it's time to go. Yeah. Simple as that. You won yeah. the World Cup, mate. It was time to go after the World Cup, in my opinion. Um, it's t- simple as that. Time to go. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the, yeah. other, the one thing I was lastly going to say, um, obviously, Bernd Leno could go. Um, as the other goalkeeper, as the third choice, but I don't think I would go with Bernd Leno. I would go with a younger keeper, um, just to give him the the experience of coming into the national side. So I would go with Alex Nubel um, of Schalke, who's going to be joining Bayern Munich. Um, I would go with Alex Nubel as your third choice, just as just as cover, because the thing is, I don't think you'd be really unfortunate. You would have to be really unfortunate for Neuer and Ter Stegen to get injured. So he's not going to play. But I would take him just for the eye. Maybe even as for if you're taking a fourth keeper. But I, it's up to you. Leno, Leno's worth going for. If you want, if you want, say, if you want to be safe, go with Leno. But I think both keepers to get injured, it would be crazy to be honest. I don't think it's likely to happen. So given Newball that idea um, of how how it feels to be in a, a national side for the future. Because I do think he will be one of the future goalkeepers in the national side, so it's worth bringing him in. I think as as a as a as a third choice, really, because uh, he's not going to play. Um, so it's worth just bringing him for for the the experience, really. Yep, yep. And obviously, I think I don't think you can win a tournament without a top goalkeeper. And Germany have always had that. Oliver Kahn, Jens Lehmann. So yeah, definitely, that's that's a big choice on Lowe's hands. Um, but for this tournament, obviously. The, the lad we mentioned earlier, Kai Havertz, he's 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 unbelievable. The wonder kid, as they call him, he's one to watch. He's cool under pressure. He can play with both feet um, and he picks out passes perfectly. Uh, and he has the stats to back that. This season, he scored 11 and got five assists in the Bundesliga and he's only 20. So he's got that's a lot. All, that's only part of a season. That's not exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Season not even finished. Um, he's got a lot of top flight clubs interested. Uh, but we'll wait and see what he decides to do. Uh, he, he's been he's been linked to obviously former Leverkusen player Michael Balak in his play style, uh, and obviously his ability to play with both feet and, and make passes all over the pitch. So, boys, what do you think of Havertz? I'll let you go first, Phil. Where do I start with Havertz? Um, Kai Havertz is awesome, awesome player, absolutely brilliant. Um, I do like that kind of. They do get excited about their their central attacking fielders in, in Germany when they burst onto the scene. But I, I dare say that Havertz is more than a, an attacking midfielder. I reckon Havertz is good enough as a central forward and maybe even as a as a striker. Fantastic player. Um, I, the, the fact that he can he, he's comfortable with both feet and his finishing is is awesome. I watched the game against Gladbach um, a couple of weeks ago when. His finishing is magnificent. Um, he's calm as well. He takes penalties for for Leverkusen. And you may be thinking, oh, he takes penalties, what, whatever. But a player at 20, 21 years of age who steps up and takes penalties in, in crucial moments and already has that ability and, and confidence is, is is a good player to be watch, watching out for. I do think um, it's time for him to move. Most players, I would say, um, stay another year. But it's time for him to move. And I do think he should avoid going to Bayern Munich. I would not want him to turn into another Leon Goretzka. I know he's, I know it's a different role, but definitely not Bayern Munich. I think a trip to the Premier League, uh, either Liverpool or, or maybe someone like uh, one of the Manchester clubs might be a, a good idea. Um, but, but you know, interestingly, romantically, I'd love him to come to Man United. But I tell you who I'm going to 
if they could get the funds for him, I think he'd, he'd be beautiful to watch at Arsenal. I think he'd be absolutely beautiful to watch at Arsenal. Uh, I know it's a bit out there, and I know they'll probably not afford him. But I think Kai Havertz at Arsenal with Nicolas Pepe, Martinelli and um, Aubameyang would be pretty impressive. John? That's, that's a fair comment. I, I've got to admit that I, I was thinking the Premier League. Um, I think that's where he's definitely going to go. I can't see anything else about that. Um, I think if he went to Real Madrid, he would not be the main man. And, and that would be a good thing. I don't think he needs to be the main man. But what I do think could happen is that he could then become Mesut Ozil. Mesut Ozil was good at Real Madrid, but he never... Obviously, he got shadowed by Cristiano Ronaldo and, and these players. So I don't think he would be appreciated, is what I would say, at Real Madrid. Um, so I actually was thinking of the teams that I think he could go to. So Liverpool and Man City are obvious contenders. They are top of the top two in the Premier League. Um, he could be a replacement for Kevin De Bruyne in the future. Um, that, that would be an option. We don't know about cities, obviously... Obviously, the, the situation with uh, financial fair play in the court of arbitration. So we don't really know what the case is with City, whether they'll be banned uh, from the, the, the Champions League for two, one or two years, maybe. Um, so maybe he, he won't want to go there. Liverpool, Liverpool's the place you want to go. But again, you've got a lot of competition. Salah, uh, Mane, Firmino. Um, and I think they're going to bring in Timo Werner as well. So I don't think they'll bring in Havertz and Werner. Um, I also said Werner could go to City as well for the replacement for Aguero. Um, but again, he could he could get um, maybe not the minutes he needs um, to really to really kick on. He's he's done fantastic at Barrow Leverkusen, but I don't think uh, a move to one of them two is probably the right move. So I was also thinking other teams. So I thought of Chelsea. Um, I think Chelsea with now Lampard there, I think he's he's got a good um, idea with youth. Um, he's obviously brought the likes of Mason Mount, Billy Gilmore, the Scottish young lad. I'm, I'm really got Ziyech now though. They have, but Havertz is a it's through the middle. Um, he's not on the wing. Um, he's always been through the middle, uh, either at centre attacking midfield or at striker now, which he's been playing uh, for Bayer Leverkusen. He's been playing through the centre forward centre the centre forward slash striker role this year um, so uh, I think I think really to kick on obviously I, I think uh, with Tammy Abraham um, I, I rate Tammy Abraham I think he's a good player um, but I don't personally think uh, he can even be compared to the likes of Kai Havertz Kai Havertz mm -hmm. is unreal and really would strengthen that forward line in, in that striker in that striker centre forward role um, playing alongside, obviously, Ziyech, as you mentioned, Christian Pulisic, um, with Mountain behind, possibly. I think that would really suit him uh, in that role. The other club I actually was thinking was the North London, Arsenal's North London rivals, actually, in Tottenham Hotspur. And obviously, Jose Mourinho's there at the moment. And whether he would want to be managed under Mourinho, that's, that's another question altogether. But if you consider it, the players that have gone to Tottenham and one of the players in specific uh, who went from Bayer Leverkusen to Tottenham is Shingman's son. 
And Human Son has done really well at Tottenham Hotspur. So I think he could convince Havertz that it's the right club to come to. You've got the likes of Bergvine that's coming from PSV Eindhoven. You've got Harry Kane still, who, fair enough, Harry Kane might be the main man. But Havertz, as we know, can play in a, in a centre attack in the field role and could take the place of Deli Ali Because Deli Ali has had a poor season this season. I think we can all agree that, that Ali's not been the same since in the last two years. I think he's really uh, his, his form has really taken a dip. Um, so Havertz, it's probably worth a worth a go. Um, maybe at Tottenham if they can get the funds. Obviously, they've built their new stadium, uh, which is a huge attraction to the the, the players like Havertz. Um, again, it's whether they can afford it. And Daniel Levy, and obviously if they sell the club, because that could still happen. Um, but yeah, I think he would be he would be definitely worth a player, um, a, a team to definitely consider for himself uh, with. Son doing really well. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens for Havertz. I, I, I agree with you, Theo, that he shouldn't go to Bayern Munich um, because I do think that would uh, just... Uh, it would be a step up, but it's not like... I think he needs to get the Bundesliga. I think he needs to go somewhere and really stamp his authority uh, on, on world football. And I think the Premier League is the place to do that because it's the best league in the world. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep, yep. Um, just quickly, uh, going over another player for Germany. Obviously, the defense has always been a big part, um, and I think who best sort of um, captures that at the moment is Joshua Kimmich, uh, Bayern, Bayern Munich's central defensive midfielder. Uh, he's got defensive awareness and a turn of pace, which has obviously proved key for Bayern this season. Um, and just like Philipp Lahm, obviously the Bayern Munich and, and German great, he started off as a right-back and now he's being pushed uh, into CDM more. Um, but also, uh, Kimmich offers attacking uh, play uh, because as he sits in front of, for the German side, we could see him sit in front of Nicolas Soule, Jonathan Tarr, and he could get forward as we saw in, uh, in the derby, well not derby, against Dortmund. Where, where he got forward and, and Chip Berkey winning the game for, for Munich. Um, and although he's only he's only five foot nine, just like Lothar Mateus, who's actually also five foot nine, he, he gets about the pitch, he puts hundred percent into everything and, and he likes to just run the whole the whole game. So I I think yeah, I think he will be quality for Germany um in, in this tournament. And with that being said, I do believe Germany could possibly, although the group is tough, I think semi-finals is, is key. I think that could happen for Germany. That's a good point. There. That's a good comparison about Lothar and Matthias there and uh, Joshua Kimmich. Another a... player I was going to compare Havertz to earlier, I, I forgot to mention, was Jurgen Klinsmann as well. Um, quite similar stature as well to the to the the, the guy as well. And the, another player, uh, a player that went to Tottenham Hotspur. So maybe it's in, in Havertz's blood to go to the likes of, of Tottenham. So... Um, but talking about Kimmich again uh, Kimmich I think he's going to be a real player like you mentioned um, like the great Philip Lahm could be be the man both at in for Germany and for Bayern Munich, so yeah, uh, good point The real losers in the the Joshua Kimmich whole thing are are Red Bull Leipzig Um, I think they either sold him or they either missed up on the opportunity to buy Kimmich um, and obviously he went to Bayern Munich and, and looking at it now, but yeah, yeah. yeah Kimmich, Kimmich was passed, I think he was passed up or either sold by Leipzig to Bayern, and I, I don't think it was because 
Bayern paid a, a decent amount for a third division player he was at the time. But um, yeah, Kimmich is a great player and obviously future future Germany captain. Luca, where do you see Germany going? I, th- I think semis. I think although their although their group is tough with with Werner, um, Havertz, and then Kimmich, and then and whoever they decide to take, I think they've got a solid solid squad. Yeah, Jordan. Um, I would I would say the final if if depending on the run. Um, I would also say France is probably the likely ones to get to the final. Um, so if they can avoid France, yeah, why not the final? Because um, it depends on low. I think. Uh, again, as we said, he's he's a weird he's a weird guy. Wackham low. Um, I think yeah, he's he's been known for being he's been known for being a bit uh, not weird but a bit disgusting as well it points on the touchline he's been known for doing some weird stuff um but less said about that the better i think but we'll see what happens i think what germany need to hope for is just take it a game at a time because they can't have another group stage knockout they, they can't get knocked out of the group because it would just really it would really put a team of such quality uh, in the mud, really, because they've got some quality players, uh, as we meant, as the ones we mentioned. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I think the run to to the final could could happen. I think it'll be interesting. I think um, Germany are obviously in the group of death with France and Portugal. Uh, I think obviously, I think Portugal are um, a, a big, big favourites. Um, I mean, they've got a tremendous team. Taking away Ronaldo, they've got a tremendous team. Mm-hmm. But there's so many teams that that could that could really give it a fair bash at, at the, the Euros. I think it's going to be a very exciting one. And I'm, I'm really sad it's not this year. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Is there any other players that you think you'd, you'd like to give a shout-out to, a quick shout-out to, guys? Um, I've, I've got one myself, but I'll, I'll let you answer first. Four. For, for the teams we've picked or? For the other teams, any other team. Is there any other players that really you could see uh, making, their, making their mark or, or, or giving their team a bit of a boost? Oh, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, do you want to go first so I can just... Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the players I was thinking was Austria's uh, Marcel Sabitzer. Um, so going the likes of what you said about Emil Forsberg, uh, Lucas Sabitzer is is again um, a real player uh, at Leipzig. So it, it'll be nice. He's done really well this season, um, really stood out for his team um, alongside Werner and Nkunku. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do. And again, the French the French lads at, uh, uh, at Le- Leipzig get a lot of credit. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they can play alongside Raphael Varane, maybe maybe Upamakano um, with France. So yeah, I, I would like to see one of them get a, a chance. Um, and I think Americ Laporte deserves to get taken as well. He's not been taken. He's not been get, getting any. I don't think he's got a cap yet for the main main side of France. So the the main team, the first team. So uh, definitely think he deserves deserves to be taken. Um, what about yourself? Yeah. Have you thought of anyone now, or, or is there anyone? Yeah, else? I've got I've got two two players that uh, I'd just like to, to have a brief mention to. The first one I'd just like to bring up is uh, Finland's first tournament in a long time. Uh, I just want to have a, an admirable mention for Timo Puki. He can't <laughs> stop scoring in in different occasions. He's a talisman for Finland. He was written off you know, by a lot of people. He was written off by a lot of people. A lot of people. Um, a lot of other Timo podcasts. Wrote, a lot of podcasts. Uh, people from podcasts wrote him off 
um, saying he wouldn't get more than five goals. So, um, and he's disproven that. Um, yeah. So he's a good so, player, yeah. and, and Finland is, is a team that I know quite a lot about. They've got um, they've got Lucas Haradike as well, the, the yeah, goalkeeper Haradike, as well uh, for Leverkusen. They've also got uh, Glenn Kamara. Um, uh, I think they've got Lord who plays for uh, Moisander as well. So they they could do something, and also just one last player for, for Italy, um, Sandro Tonali. Um, I think he's going to be Pirlo, the next Pirlo. Supposedly. Yeah, the next Pirlo, and I think obviously he's at Bresica this season. They, they may go, they may go down. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he'd be a perfect player a, to a lot. A lot of people. I'm, Touted uh, as I've been touted as as the next Pirlo, so he's got a lot to live up to to be he that. Does, but, but, but I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Yeah, yeah. I think um, as as I said, I think he'd be perfect for AC Milan to build their new team around. Uh, decent foundation, but yeah, I'll be interested to see him at the the Euros. I, I think he'll get a move at the end of this season anyway, um, and, and we'll see Definitely. what he's made of. But, uh, I'm, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching also Netherlands at. When I was yeah, watching yeah, yeah. Frankie De Jong and De Ligt again together, because watching De Jong mm. is, is unbelievable. The Ajax run to the in the Champions League, it, it's fun to watch. It's it's enjoyable to watch. So hopefully if they can revitalise that for Netherlands, who knows? Definitely. Looking forward to seeing Ryan Babel up top as well. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever what trim he's got this time. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they don't go for him. I, d- I don't think he's the right player to go for uh, to lead the line for for the Netherlands. But um, yeah, they've got Quincy Promes and a few other players of attacking quality as well as lo- as well as them two two great uh, ex Ajax players in De Jong and De Ligt. Um and Virgil Van Dijk as well, one of the best centre backs um, as well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Top comments there, lads. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there for tonight. Yeah, I think that, uh, that's a good place very to wrap much. up. Yeah, thanks for being, one, uh, coming on good. tonight, lads. Uh, it's, been, it's been fantastic. A long one, but uh, very uh, informative, I think, for our, for our uh, 40 fans. But um, again, <laughs> again, as we mentioned, we, we can't thank you enough for listening. Um, yeah. I think... Yeah, uh, thanks, guys. The boys, can, the boys can say that as well. Um, just a wee shout out just to uh, follow us um, on podbean.com. Uh, give us a follow. Um, like the video as well. It'd be, it'd be much appreciated. And also we have a, a possible uh, update on our logo as well. Uh, a professional logo um, has been created by um, a friend of ours. Um, so um, hopefully you'll, you'll like the look of that. A bit more professional for a professional podcast. Um, so Perfect, yeah. I'll, yeah. Let, I'll let you wrap up for you. Well said, Jordan. Just obviously, if, if you've got any questions or topics you, you want uh, spoken about on the pod, just you know, just drop them in the comments or just just let us know. We, we'd love to we'd love to talk about it. Well, lads, it's been absolutely brilliant. It's been uh, it's been a great bit of fun tonight, and I'm sure everyone's going to uh, to enjoy this podcast. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Yep. Awesome. Look awesome. forward to it. Right, see, see you later, guys. guys. Bye. Yeah.